Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to True Crime, the podcast that helps you find new, emerging, and undiscovered true crime podcasts. I'm Greg, the host and curator of True Crime. If you like today's episode, make sure to check out the episode description for links to subscribe. Today's episode is from Rogue Darkness. Rogue Darkness is a podcast that discusses true crimes involving the misconceptions of witchcraft, the occult, and other beliefs from cults and ritualistic killings and everything in between. Uncover the darkness of mankind one crime at a time. All right, let's get this show started. Begin. Warning. This episode contains content that may not be suitable for some listeners, including presumed demonic possession and exorcisms, body mutilation, animal cruelty, and sacrificial murder. Listener discretion is strongly advised. The world of ritualistic child abuse. They would sacrifice animals. Does it make you want to hate murder, or does it make you want to do murder? Let's explore the darkness of mankind, one crime at a time. Welcome back to Rogue Darkness, the podcast that uncovers how the misinterpretations and misinformation surrounding witchcraft, the occult, and other beliefs have led many to do unthinkable crimes. From ritualistic killings and the demons that live in all of us, to exploration of the macabre and delving deep into the unknown, Let's explore the darkness of mankind, one crime at a time. I'm your host of The Grim and Gruesome, Raven. Let's go rogue and get right into today's chilling crime. The horrific case of Michael Taylor, a troubled man from Osset, West Yorkshire, England, whose untreated mental illness was presumed to be caused by demonic possession. But when an exorcism by the church had failed, the unthinkable happened, leading to the unfortunate loss of life. Let's delve into the story of the devil in Osset. So let's first start off from the very beginning. Going back to the year of 1974, in the town of Osset in West Yorkshire, England, 31-year-old Michael Taylor, along with his 29-year-old wife Christine, were like any other happily married couple, loving, charismatic, and both immensely dedicated to their family. Living a rather comfortable life with their five young children, Things started to shift when in the early months of 1974, Michael got injured and hurt his back, causing him to have difficulty maintaining his usual work, ultimately causing him to lose his job. With England going through a recession at that same time, life became more difficult for the Taylors, who were just trying to make ends meet, financially and mentally. 
It is believed that the financial strain and feelings of inadequacy due to not being able to properly provide for his family was the initial trigger that led Michael down a dark road of depression. The Taylors were not overly religious themselves, but one of their friends, Barbara, saw that they were struggling, and she asked them to come to a local group of believers, which were referred to as the Charismatic Christian Movement, part of the Gobber Christian Fellowship Group. The movement focused heavily on love, happiness, paranormal aspects of Christianity, as well as a heavy emphasis on healing through faith. Since Michael had been struggling with his ongoing depression, they decided to give it a try and see what the movement was all about. Upon attending and meeting the members of the movement, Michael and Christine were pleasantly surprised by how welcoming and friendly everyone there was. The leader of the group, a young 22-year-old lay preacher named Marie Robinson, was immensely charismatic as their group name had suggested, and the couple were magnetically drawn to her preachings, specifically Michael. What seemed like a harmless infatuation for Marie at first quickly became concerning to Christine that there may be more going on. Marie and Michael would oftentimes talk late into the night, becoming increasingly closer as the days went by, and rather than being his usual family-loving self, Michael became more irritable, angry, and secluded from Christine and their children. This change obviously concerned Christine, especially since prior to Michael spending so much time with Marie, he was already steadily distancing himself from their family, all the while having horrible mood swings and reported outbursts. Focusing heavily on faith healing, with group members speaking in tongues seemingly out of the blue, and even the occasional public exorcism, it was not uncommon for Marie to be in close involvement with the members. This knowledge didn't make Christine feel any less uncomfortable with the situation, though. So one day when they were hosting one of the group meetings at their home, Christine actually confronted Michael and Marie directly about their uncomfortably close relationship to see if they were having an affair. Both Michael and Marie denied any sexual relationship, claiming they were just close friends who bonded over their faith and enjoyed each other's company. This response calmed Christine's nerves a bit, so she asked that Marie and Michael talk things over, as she'd prefer he not spend as much time with her as he had been, as it was taking him away from his family. Marie and Michael went into another room within the house, just the two of them, leaving Christine to continue hosting the group meeting by herself. It was assumed that Michael and Marie would talk through their true feelings, so to not hide anything from themselves or the loved ones. From Christine's perspective, this one last alone time would allow Michael to be open and honest with not only her and Marie, but also with himself by fully opening up to Marie about anything that he had been keeping inside of him, whether it be romantic feelings or anything else. The duo reportedly talked for a while, Michael reportedly telling Marie he did in fact have feelings for her, it's been reported that he even had tried to kiss Marie only for her to reject his advances, leading him to the realization that his feelings were one-sided. After the two had talked and Michael's advances had been shut down, they went back to the group where Michael reportedly proclaimed, We have won a great victory for the Lord. A miracle has happened. We have both overcome our passions. What happened next, though, was so unexpected that it shocked everyone there. No one quite knows what truly caused the sudden shift in Michael's demeanor. But right after his proclamation of victory, his whole persona shifted, and for the negative. Michael reportedly went through an immediate, sinister transformation, where he turned to look at Marie, and then he began aggressively hitting Marie in the head and screaming at her in tongues. 
It would later be said that Michael explained this instance as an initial presumed possession, where he felt completely out of control, and that an unknown and evil force was persuading him to act in such a way. Michael claimed that he reportedly saw himself standing in the room alone again, just him and Marie, and that they were both naked. He said that as she slowly turned to face him, he was horrified to see that her eyes had been replaced by what looked like snake eyes. Upon seeing this, he felt an immense evil consume him, causing him to reportedly black out while he brutally attacked an unsuspecting Marie. Christine reportedly tried to stop Michael from attacking Marie, but he only pushed her away violently. He continued his aggression on Marie, ultimately knocking her out. When Marie awoke, Christine begged her to leave and to stay away from them, especially Michael, as his symptoms only worsened when he was around her. As if the attack on Marie wasn't horrifying enough, though, the days that followed would be sheer terror for the Taylor family. With Michael's attack on Marie, as well as his increasingly violent and erratic behavior that was now witnessed by many of the congregates, the church deemed that he needed to be exercised, as they believed he was possessed. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On October 5th, 1974, Michael and Christine were brought to the church, where Michael was restrained for everyone's protection and then they proceeded to go through a slew of attempts to cast the presumed demons out of him, even going to the extent of burning the wooden cross that he wore that they thought to be tainted. They then reportedly tried to exercise the demons out of Michael until around 7 a.m. in the morning of the next day, taking a total of six hours. According to an article by Grunge.com, during the court case that followed after the soon-to-be-discussed crime took place, one of the preachers involved in the exorcism stated that they had managed to exorcise over 40 demons from Michael, leaving behind only three demons. Demons apparently associated with murder, violence, and insanity. With such a strenuous exorcism, both for the reverends performing the rite, as well as Michael himself, they decided to let Michael return home after the initial exorcism to rest, and then they would resume at a later time. With all the chaos going on with Michael, luckily their children were spending the night at their grandparents, so when Michael and Christine returned home after the attempted exorcism around 9am on October 6th, it was just them and their pet dog in the home. Around 10am of that same day, the Osset police station received an odd and startling 911 call. The caller reportedly told the cops that he had seen a naked man walking through the streets covered head to toe in what looked like red paint and yelling about the devil. Believing it to be a prank call at first, given the uncommon nature of such a thing being reported in the quiet town of Osset, authorities still decided to send dispatch to investigate the claim. Being a Sunday morning, the streets weren't too busy that time of day, and it didn't take the authorities long to find the man who the complaint was regarding. And yes, if you thought the man that the anonymous tip was for was none other than Michael Taylor, you would be correct. The cops pulled up alongside Michael, and to their shock and horror, it wasn't red paint that covered his entire body like the caller had initially thought. It was blood. 
The cops were cautious to safely approach Michael in a way to not alarm him or cause him to lash out at them erratically. All the while Michael was being detained, he just stared off into the distance, stating that he had killed his wife and that the blood was of the devil. Once Michael was secure in the patrol car and headed to the hospital to be checked out, authorities headed to his house to investigate his claim and to see if his wife was home, or worse, if she had actually been murdered as he had told them. Entering the Taylor home, the cops were met with a horrific sight. A blood smear leading from the living room was seen, and as the cops entered further, there, they found the lifeless body of Christine Taylor lying on the floor, completely and brutally mutilated. Christine's face was almost completely torn from her skull. Her eyes had been brutally gouged out of their sockets, and her tongue was ripped from her mouth, later found to be done by the bare hands of her husband. Blood was covering her entire body and almost every surface of the room reflected the macabre attack, with both spatters of blood and pieces of Christine's flesh covering the floor and walls. Not far from Christine's body, the cops also found the family's pet dog, brutally killed as well, strangled to death, and with its limbs ripped from its body. Just as with Christine, the brutal attack was done by Michael himself, with no murder weapon other than his bare hands. On March 25, 1975, Michael's trial before the Leeds Crown Court took place. After reviewing all the evidence from the crime scene, as well as information provided by the coroner and a clinical psychologist who had testified in court, the court deemed Michael not guilty on grounds of insanity. According to the article by Grunge.com, Michael spent four years in police custody, then was transferred to Broadmoor Hospital for another two years for further psychotic analysis. And then following his stay there, he would then spend another two years at the Bradford Royal Infirmary before finally being released back into the general public. Reports stated that a bit more recently, in July of 2005, Michael Taylor once again popped up in the news when he was found guilty of indecently touching a teenage girl. After just a week of being back in prison for the indecent conduct, Michael reportedly began acting strangely and erratically, just as he had prior to the murder of Christine back in 1974. When brought back before the court once again, he was ordered back into psychiatric treatment. However, I couldn't find much information on his current whereabouts, so we can only assume he is likely still out in the general public, walking among us as a free man. So that was the truly disturbing case of Michael Taylor and how the combination of untreated mental illness mixed with fanatical religious dogma led to the gruesome and unfortunate murders of Christine and their pet dog. So let me know your thoughts on this case and if you have any questions regarding it or any other cases I've previously covered, feel free to contact me at roguedarknesspod at gmail.com. You can also always reach out to me directly on my Instagram or Twitter at rogue underscore darkness or also on my website roguedarkness.com. As always, be sure to share the podcast with anyone who you think would like it and also be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Good Pods, or any other platform where you can leave a review to let other listeners know you enjoy the show. And if you want some personalized shoutouts and other exclusives, definitely check out my Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash roguedarkness. As always, all the links for everything discussed in my episodes are down in the description box of the episode. 
And with that said, that concludes this week's episode of Rogue Darkness. The darkness is all around us, and I can confidently say that reality truly is more terrifying than fiction. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to True Crime by Indie Drop-In Network. If you would like to nominate a true crime podcast to be featured, just send me a tweet at Indie Drop-In. I'd also love to hear if one of our featured podcasts is now your favorite show. Indie Drop-In survives off ad revenue and listener donations. If you would like to contribute, please consider buying me a coffee. You can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Indie Drop-In. If you look at the very bottom of the episode description, I put a link in there to make it really easy. Indie Drop-In has many other shows that you also might like. Just go to IndieDropIn.com. All right, see you next week.